The NFL coaching carousel keeps spinning and spinning, and Dan Quinn remains without a head coaching gig. But tonight, we will discuss what the latest coaching news around the NFL mean for Dan Quinn and, of course, for the Cowboys. Additionally, it is a Thursday night show, and I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to help myself. Listen, we're going to talk about the conference championship games and we're going to make some predictions. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Welcome on a Thursday night. It is a great night to talk some Cowboys football, but also some NFL coaching updates and, yes, the conference championship games because I'm excited about them. I know it's a Cowboys show, and sometimes people don't like it if I don't keep it 100% Cowboys. But, man, these games are fun. It's football. I got to talk about them just a little bit. So at the back of the show, the back end of the show, we're going to be diving into those two amazing showdowns because, I hey, let's be objective here. We wish the Cowboys were playing there. I know. Trust me. I know. I wish Dallas was playing there too, but I'm still excited about the games, right? Like, hey, it's still football. Can't help myself. We're going to discuss them a little bit. Uh, but, but before we get there, though, before we get there, though, let's talk about Dan Quinn. Obviously, we are at a moment in time where it's a It's complicated to know how we feel about the whole Quinn situation. On the one hand, we don't know, like Cowboys Nation does not know if they want Quinn back in the first place or not. I can tell you at least it's a debate, right? Part of the fans don't want him back after whatever that was in the Green Bay Packers game. But also, not just that game, also a downward trend that has been noticeable. Uh, struggles against Cal Shanahan coaching three teams and motion offenses and all that. Like there's a legitimate reason to be concerned about how Queen goes about things. Anyways, there's also a portion of the fan base that is going to be like, Hey, you know what? This guy has actually led one of the best defenses over the last three years in the NFL. He turned around whatever that was in 2020 when Mike Nolan was leading the defense He maximized Micah Parsons for three years. Some people will disagree with that. He, you know, people that want Micah to be off-ball linebacker. But he at least coached Micah Parsons through that transition when he was supposedly going to be an off-ball linebacker, turned full-time pass rusher in his second year or midway through the first year, however you want to look at it. Had uh, Daron Bland de development in his hands, Trevon Diggs development in his hands. A lot of these young players that he's been trying to push for, right? Marquis Bell, Dan Quinn guy. The Marvion Overshone, allegedly Dan Quinn guy. So there's reasons to believe that the Cowboys uh, should want Quinn back on board for this team in 2024. And all I'm going to do tonight is basically... Talk about some of that good and bad stuff, but also mostly talk about what his future looks like because it's getting a little bit clearer 
but also not really. And here's what I mean. Many of the coaching vacancies around the NFL have been filled, ladies and gentlemen. And we are, Let me run through them very quickly. The Chargers, who let go Brandon Staley, have now signed Jim Harbaugh to a five-year deal, actually. Sidebar, I'm super stoked about this one. I'm just, I think Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL is good for the league. Miss me with all of the Michigan scandal things with the videos and, and you know, uh, of scouting and Spygate and all that. They they still did what they did. Even, like, if, if they hadn't had those, like, Spygate-type tapes or, or documentation or whatever, Michigan would have been national champion. So I'm not going to sweat all that. Jim Harbaugh leading the Chargers and more specifically working with Justin Herbert is going to be fun to follow. So excited about that. Then the Falcons to not today dropped a bombshell. They have hired Raheem Morris after the whole Arthur Smith dilemma with them. Uh, Raheem Morris was a defensive coordinator for the Rams this season, and he did a lot with very little talent in L.A. So he deserved a head coaching gig, but the thing about the Falcons going with Morris is that it seems like Bill Belichick is going to be sidelined for 2024. Now, that obviously could change at any moment. I understand that. But the Falcons were the only team out of the eight that had a vacancy for head coach to interview uh, Belichick. So we could speculate there a little bit about why teams were not all that all uh, into Belichick. But my main theory, and another sidebar here, I'm sorry, there's just a lot to say about NFL coaching these days. My theory is that although Belichick said that he was willing to give up personnel control in New England, maybe that wasn't the same sales pitch he was using for the Falcons and for other teams that might have been interested in hearing him out. So that's going to be a major question going into 2025 and, you know, the rest of the coaching cycle in 2024. But just in general, a major question for Belichick, would he coach without wanting to be a general manager? And I think that's relevant specifically, guys, for Cowboys Nation, because you just know that Belichick is the new Sean Payton. Get ready for an entire offseason of conversations about if the Cowboys don't get to the NFC Championship game next season and Mike McCarthy is out or whatever, expect Jerry Jones to be all in on Belichick. Boy, oh boy, I don't think so. If 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 the whole if this is the reality for Belichick that he wants control over personnel decisions, he's not going to be a fit with the Cowboys. He's just not going to. And I thought at apparently at first he might have been a candidate because he said allegedly to the Patriots that he would have been good just giving that up. But if he's not even getting interviewed by many of these teams, my brain immediately goes to that conclusion. Like he does not want to give up that control. And maybe some teams are not that into the idea of Belichick, the general manager, even if they like Bill Belichick, the coach. We can continue now. Sorry for that uh, tangent. Uh, the Panthers have also hired offensive coordinator Dave Canales from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, interesting hire. And obviously, the Panthers were widely seen 
as the worst head coach opening in the NFL this offseason. We'll see what Canales is able to do there. Obviously, had a great season with Baker Mayfield this time around over in Tampa. So it could be an exciting one with Bryce Young there. And it seems like they're prioritizing Young's uh, development, probably knowing that they weren't in the mix, for example, for a guy like Jim Harbaugh, right? But anyways, Raiders, they're sticking with their interim head coach, who is a linebackers coach, Antonio Pierce, now takes over as head coach. Officially, Max Crosby basically told them, hey, it's got to be Pierce or expect me to walk. So the Raiders basically had no choice on that one. Then you have the Titans hiring Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And the Titans is an important one because Dan Quinn was supposedly a strong candidate for Tennessee. Uh, people seemed to believe that, hey, Dan Quinn would like to be with the Titans. So that is now off the board. That leaves just two coaching openings for Dan Quinn to be head coach in 2024. And that is obviously a big surprise for many, right? Because we thought, hey, maybe these coaching hires would take a little bit longer with many of the names that are still available. But what makes it very intriguing is that the two vacancies that remain open are the vacancies that Dan Quinn could very likely end up in. The Seattle connection is obviously, and of course the Falcons were not in the Dan Quinn sweepstakes, by the way, as Bruce says, that's pretty much uh, obvious, but it still matters from the Belichick side of things. Um, and obviously the picture has like the full the full uh, list of coaches, but I agree with Bruce right there. I, the Falcons were, were never going to hire Dan Quinn as head coach again and run that back. Anyways, Commanders and the Seahawks. Let's talk about it very quickly, man. He's got second interviews lined up with each of these franchises, just so you know. So the interest is real in Dan Quinn. The thing is, though, this is still a very competitive market that we're talking about. And I think things won't really pick up until next week because... Ben Johnson remains coaching with the Detroit Lions, right? One of the hottest candidates in the market. Mike McDonald, Ravens defensive coordinator, the same. You've got Mike Brabel out there still. Uh, Bobby Slowick still. Aaron Glenn still coaching with the Detroit Lions uh, for these games. Uh, the commander specifically, man, they've had, they're going to have uh, some second interviews with some of the guys they've interviewed. But Seattle, let's stick to Seattle for now because I think we would all agree that if they're going to, end up with one of these guys like or if Quinn is going to end up with one of these teams the most likely one the likeliest one has to be Seahawks the connection is way too obvious immediately after news broke about Pete Carroll being fired immediately after that reporters were tying Quinn directly to the Seahawks there's I mean doesn't take a whole lot to make that connection right doesn't take a lot of NFL knowledge to take that to make that connection let me read to you the list of second interviews that the Seahawks have already lined up. They have Ejiro Evero, right? Defensive coach, very bright, and obviously somebody that was recently with the Carolina Panthers. Somebody that is, uh, he was also with the Broncos, right? Briefly, if I'm, I'm not misremembering. Uh, but Evero could be a strong candidate still. 
They've got Patrick Graham, Patrick Graham, uh, who I think will probably stay with the Raiders, though. They've got Mike Kafka in there. Mike Kafka, Kafka intrigues me. Uh, Giants offensive coordinator, of course, didn't have a good season in 2022. But the year before that, uh, excuse me, in 2023, but the year before that, which is 2022, Mike Kafka was actually pretty damn solid, right? They made Daniel Jones look like a legit quarterback, and they had him make $40 million per year. Uh, Mike Kafka could be a wild card there for the C Seattle Seahawks. I'm just going to say that. And then there's Dan Quinn. There was also Raheem Morris, who's obviously off the board because he's going to Atlanta. I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. Of that list, Evero, Graham, Kafka, and Quinn, I got to assume Quinn is the leading candidate for Seattle. I also got to assume that they want to hear Ben Johnson and they want to hear Mike McDonald and they want to hear Aaron Glenn maybe, but maybe Johnson and McDonald more than anybody else and maybe Johnson more than anybody else. And maybe Seattle is just like, hey, you know what? I can be patient. It's not like the Cowboys, or at least not publicly, they might be doing this behind the scenes, but it's not like the Cowboys look in a rush to figure out who's going to be their defensive coordinator. And maybe that's because they already got, got a plan in place where they just promote Joe Witt and Al Harris, and maybe they've talked it out with these guys that, hey, if Queen leaves, you're not leaving. You're going to stay here, and you're going to be our defensive coordinator. I got to assume that's maybe like what's, made the Cowboys so passive. And obviously, I mean, it's difficult to start interviewing defensive coordinators when you've got one. It's a tough place to be in for Dallas. A lot of these teams have already made their decisions, but the candidate that they have uh, is a strong one for the final two teams to hire a head coach. So it's, a, it's an uncomfortable spot to be in for Dallas, for sure. My thoughts on the whole thing, is that I would still make Quinn the favorite to end up in Seattle. Difficult to rule out the Washington Commanders, though. But I'm I'm gonna go on a limb here, and I'm and I'm just speculating here. Obviously, we don't really know. There's not a lot of reports on which where each of these teams is leaning towards. But I would guess that Washington is gonna take a more modern approach. And with that, I mean I expect Washington to end up with an offensive-minded coach or a young coach. Like, I expect <clears throat> that ownership that is trying to be a state-of-the-art front office is going to end up making a, a little bit more of a of an in, innovative-type decision, and I'm not sure they're going to want to recycle a, a former head coach. Not saying that, hey, it's going to happen that way, but that's just my inclination to what the commanders are going to do. My early guess not so early to what is going to happen. So in my opinion, I view it as it's either Seattle or it's Queen sticking around in Dallas. That's my read right now. Obviously, coaching world is very weird. Uh, Queen could very well coach the commanders in 2024. So definitely do not uh, dismiss that possibility. But again, man, I, I just view... This commander's team is a commander's team that would be interested in somebody that is younger or that is an offensive-minded guy like Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. And I'll say right now, I'm not excited about <laughs> commanders having the second overall pick 
and Ben Johnson. And that is the thing, man. If you're the commanders and you've got Drake May or Caleb Williams lined up for you come April, come the NFL draft, you, you got to be thinking offensive guy at head coach. Because if I hire a defensive guy at head coach and I get a strong offensive coordinator or I stick with Eric Bieniemy, who is also a very strong offensive coordinator, that's a guy that is going to be leaving soon, right? If they get Caleb Williams or they get Drake May and he has a great season with an offensive coordinator or a great first two, three seasons in the NFL, that guy is going to be a head coach somewhere else quickly. It's going to happen quickly. So if you're Washington and you're trying to build a, a new phase of your franchise, you want maybe some continuity in you want some continuity at head coach. And I would assume that gives Ben Johnson some extra points, right? I'm actually very surprised on uh, never mind. I might be wrong about this. Bobby Slowick, I would assume, has been interviewed by the commanders. I had I was looking at my list. I was looking at my list uh, from the Seahawks, and it doesn't include Bobby Slowick with the second, with the second, uh, with the second interviews. But of course, Bobby Slowick has met with the Commanders twice now, or, or he's scheduled for his second interview at the very least. So yeah, I would assume Slowick or Johnson for the Commanders, and then. I would assume Quinn for Seattle, but I could be wrong there. Uh, Seattle or he comes back to Dallas. Now, if he does come back to Dallas, and let me read some comments, by the way. Let me read some comments. I get carried away and I forget. Uh, sorry about that. Shout out to everyone, by the way, who is right now here live watching the show. I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, hit the like button for me. If you enjoy the content, if you enjoy the show, that means the world to me. It takes a half a second. Uh, it's free and it really helps out that like so hit the thumbs up if you haven't yet uh ruben says queen is staying ruben benitez uh he says team scouted the defensive line he can think of something but let them figure it out uh queen says troy showed us who he is mark aaron says washington wants ben johnson i believe bruce's queen or the falcons will never live down letting the patriots come back after halftime and man if if something like that happens again, like not even that drastic, but if if the Niners are in the Super Bowl and they blow up a, a comeback, so will Shanahan, right? Because Shanahan has had the 28-3 and three with the Falcons when he was offensive coordinator. And he also had the third quarter lead versus the Kansas City Chiefs with Jimmy G in the Super Bowl and also blew that one. So... Also, also, um, Jim Harbaugh on that front, Bruce. I agree. Bruce says, Mo, I think we were all bamboozled because anyone could have been better than Mike Nolan and the franchise's worst defense. I'd agree with that if, if the whole argument for Dan Quinn was he improved. But that that isn't it, right? Like, if you're being fair, it has been one of the best defenses in the NFL. Like, objectively statistically has been uh cowboys let the nfl in takeaways for two consecutive years which was the first time it had been done since the 70s with the steel curtain defense so that tells you a lot about what dan queen has done 
And if you also look at between 2021 and 2023, which are the years that Queen has led the defense, they've been number one in the NFL in that span. Number one in EPA per play. Best defense in the league since Dan Queen took over. So I don't think that is totally fair to say just because we're not just talking about improving. We're talking about being a good defense. Number one, and success rate, because many people will be like, that's just because they take the ball away. Uh, They're not really that good. Success rate, which doesn't put any weight into turnovers and all that. Success rate, they're also number five in the NFL. Drop back EPA, number one. Drop back success rate, number three. Now, when we get to the rush element of it, Russia EPA, number nine in the NFL. So not even like it's that bad, right? 15th in the NFL in success rate. If you want Queen out, it's mostly about the downward trend that he's in. But more than that, it's about struggling versus Shanahan-esque offenses. It's about struggling versus motion-heavy offenses. It's about that. It's not about... It's not about... um, EPA and all that, like it's specifically about you being very likely to get to the playoffs and face one of those offenses that I just mentioned, right? Like if you get to the playoffs next year, you're likely to see one of the following three, Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, Matt LaFleur and the Packers, and Sean McVay and the Rams. You're just very likely. Uh, Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings, maybe we could add them to the list, right? If Bobby Slowick makes it, nah, Bobby Slowick, but he wouldn't get to one of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs likely, so never mind. But you get what I'm saying, right? You get what I'm saying. Let's see here. Hit the like button on the way into the chat. Says you see that. Thank you for that, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Anyways, if Queen does come back for another year with Dallas, if Queen comes back for another year with Dallas, we would want him and the Cowboys. So this is this shouldn't be just about Quinn, obviously. But we want we would want the Cowboys and Dan Quinn to hear out Nick Saban. I'm gonna play you a clip from 2021 from Nick Saban with him talking about matching the opposing personnel. Uh, there's been a lot that has been said about Quinn playing with six defensive backs versus the Green Bay Packers in the postseason, playing nickel and dime no matter what the situation is. And this clip recently resurfaced after the Niners-Packers game, and the Cowboys Twitter made it about Dan Quinn. And I can see why. So let's listen to Dan Quinn's, to Nick Saban's advice from 2021, and you'll see you'll see how it relates to Dan Quinn. Let's just hear Nick Saban out. All the time. They don't play nickel all the time. They don't play nickel against regular all right, because people get regular and they try to make nickel formations. So they just say, well, we just play nickel all the time. Well, look, we played Notre Dame this year and they played three tight ends. And people were still playing nickel and they got three tight ends in the game. I mean, they were getting the line and kicked out their ass now. All right, because there's just no way that you could hold up against all them big guys. Now, when we play them, I coached the Cleveland Browns when Irv Cross, Bavaro, and all these tight ends that the New York Giants had when Parcells was there, 
And I was coaching the Belichick, and we used to practice against them, and they used to get three big guys, 270, 270, 280, in a, in a three-man wing. Right? And Frank Menenfield would be out there run support. And Bill said, this is not going to work. <laughs> and I said, tell me about it. So we – Look, we match personnel in the NFL. So if they got in three tight ends, all right, we had three DBs on the field. We put an extra linebacker in the game, and we had a whole package of what we did. We called it Hippo. So we played Hippo against Notre Dame, and their three tight ends, they didn't make nothing. Because we had big guys against big guys. Now, I still think we could have played regular people against those big, and we still practice regular all the time. Because I fear playing against somebody who can run the ball, make it and put a couple three tight ends in the game, and you don't have a regular package or, or a big people package that you can play. I just, I've, I've always, you got to be able to match personnel. You can't say, I'm going to be simple and we're going to play nickel against everything. That's just me. I love Nick Saban. I, like, I love hearing him talk. I know. He isn't the perfect person or anything like that. But, man, when he's talking football, I just get excited. Football or leadership, whatever of the two. There's two important notes to what Nick Saban just said. We can't deny that there's some level of stubbornness to what happened within the Cowboys with the linebackers thing. And I agree that it cannot all be placed on Dan Quinn. Like, we cannot blame Dan Quinn for 100% of that because the Cowboys had no linebackers. They just didn't, right? Uh, they tried to get Rashawn Evans. They got Rashawn Evans. Basically was not able to play good football. They tried to get somebody in the, tra in the trade deadline, weren't able to pull off that trade. And, of course, we got a... Remind everyone here that Leighton Van Der Esch suffered a season-ending injury, and so did DeMarvin Overshone back in August. I have to assume that if those two were around for the season, Quinn would have done things differently with the way that he matched personnel versus these heavy tight end offenses and everything. So I'll blame the front office partly because of not being proactive once they suffered those injuries at linebacker and their reaction being Marquis Bell, we're going to switch you uh, and we're going to make you the linebacker, right? To be fair to Marquis Bell, he actually handled that pretty damn well, right? He ended the season as one of the best cover linebackers in the entire NFL per pro football focus. He had tackle for losses. He had like, he made an impact in the game. However, I also got to say, When we're talking about a coach that is so involved in recruiting, when we're talking about a coach that got the Cowboys, Marquise Bell, that convinced the Cowboys to take De'Ron Bland, that has been so involved in the draft process and that we've praised him for his eye talent-wise, there's also an element to where, well, yeah, the front office didn't try to pull off a desperate move Because they understood from Dan Quinn that, hey, we're going to be fine with Marquise Bell. And we're also talking about a coach who likes to go lighter on the defensive line. Talking about a coach that probably was involved with the whole Massey Smith weight thing where they asked him to drop 30 pounds and all that. So 
I do think the, sh- the the blame should be shared here between front office and Dan Quinn. And I do hope that they listen to what Nick Saban just said and take it more seriously in 2024. Gotta be able to match personnel. It's amazing that Dan Quinn is ready to go with these hybrid defenses that can be used to match a lot of different formations and a lot of different type of athletes. But, but you got to have that hippo personnel grouping like Nick Saban just said. You got to be ready for whatever the opponent can throw your way and be able to match it. Because the NFL is a league of athletic freaks. And if you're talking about athletic freaks, you're talking about body types. You got to be able to match body types with body types. And I like that the NFL is moving toward this space where that line is a little bit blurry and a linebacker can be a safety and a tight end can be more of a wide receiver and all that. But there's still a a point where, hey, at some point, you got to have a third linebacker in the game if they're playing you this or that way, right? So big words from Nick Saban from 2021 that really apply to Dallas moving forward. And, And they better Better be ready for that adjustment. Brian says the corner will be playing defensive end next year. Hey, maybe Brian. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put that past them. Marcus Davis says we need some big boys, and that is true, man. And it, why did they ask Mouse's mid to drop weight? <laughs> that just pisses me off every time uh, we circle back to it. Like why? I remember. The entire draft process, right, after they picked Moss's mid, I remember us being like, damn, that's nice. We've got a, a nasty, heavy, big defensive tackle that if you look at the numbers, he compares to freaking Vince Wilfork. And we talked about playing one gap and a half and playing two gaps with Moss's mid. We talked about him occupying space and forcing defenses to go one-on-one versus Micah Parsons and all that and they turned him into a three technique what the heck is that man oh but yeah Marcus Davis says even 33 like Damon Clark who we see as a traditional a traditional linebacker uh was pretty much a defensive back he was always getting steamrolled and man they they do need bigger guys they do need bigger guys Marcus Davis is 100% right Right there. Uh, Jay Recruiter says they want Mossy to rush the passer. Well, let him do that with 30, 30 pounds more. <laughs> you have your NASCAR fronts. You have your four defensive end fronts. You don't you don't need Mossy's me to be uh, slim, right? You, you need him to be thick. I'm not sure what's, what's going to happen next year with that. But, man, I, I hope the Cowboys fix it. I hope the Cowboys fix it. <laughs> Thank you to Paul, man, in the chat. I appreciate that, of course. Uh, but anyways, let's move on, man. Let's move on and let's have some closing thoughts here for the conference championship weekend. As I said earlier in the show, man, I know this is a cowboy show, but when I've got the Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions, I got to talk to somebody about it. I, I, I need to talk to somebody about it. So let's start with the AFC game. Let me know in the chat. Who do you got? Are you picking the Chiefs? Are you picking the Ravens? Because, man, let me tell you, that is going to be a fun game. You have Lamar Jackson, who's going to be a two-time MVP pretty soon, versus Patrick Mahomes, two-time MVP, going at it in a game. I'm going to watch. 
But I'll tell you what excites me the most about this game in particular. Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator for Kansas City, going up against Lamar Jackson. I love Spags. I, 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 he's one of my favorite coordinators in the league. And he's always been super aggressive. He always has liked to blitz opponents. He always has liked to be very aggressive and exotic looking. And recently he put on tape the safety rotation where they lined up on too high, shifted to one high, and then shifted to too high again. Safety's made a complete circle in that sense. And that led to a pick, by the way. This was versus the Miami Dolphins in the wildcard round. Lamar Jackson is very good. Like, he's great. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's not necessarily that consistent versus the Blitz. And we saw that in the first half versus the Houston Texans. The Ravens, at one point, they were broken with D'Amico Ryan's blitzing and, you know, just firing from everywhere. Sometimes it was a corner. Sometimes it was a linebacker. Sometimes it was an A-gap blitz or an overload blitz to one side. D'Amico Ryan's went... AWOL on that one. Like, he, he, he went off on that one. I would expect Steve Spagnuolo to do the same thing versus Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I would expect him to go all in, all out after Lamar. There's also the cover zero game from 2021 with Brian Flores just calling cover zero again and again and again versus Lamar and him struggling with it a little bit. I think Lamar is, again, a great quarterback, one of the best in the league. And I think he will be countering the Chiefs' blitzes with passing. He's not really a big scrambler once he is blitzed. Uh, so, man, give me this game. I'm excited about Kyle Hamilton going up against Travis Kelsey. I think it will be a one-on-one showdown to follow throughout this entire ball game. Gonna be fun. I do think the Ravens are a little bit too much for a team that has struggled so much as Kansas this year. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. And to me, there's nothing more important than a head coach and a quarterback. And that's the best duo in the NFL that you're going to get. But it's a team game. And I, I've got the Ravens. I've got the Ravens just delivering on the hype and advancing to Super Bowl 58. Uh, it's going to be a fun game, though. And the Chiefs absolutely have a chance to win it. Let's see what you guys think, though. Uh, Lamar is a running back, says Jay Recruit. Oh, come on, Jay. You're trolling. That's bait. That's got to be bait, Jay. You know it's got to be bait. Jay Peace is Ravens for that one. Peters is Ravens. So not. I don't think I've had, I've seen a comment yet pick the chips. Ruben goes with the Ravens. Paul says Ravens for that one, too. Ravens for me, I agree, says uh, Brian. I agree there too much. Scott says, difference for Kansas City is that the Ravens linebackers are significantly better than Buffalo linebackers. Oh, absolutely, right? Especially because the Bills were dealing with a lot of injuries, right? They had uh, Terrell Bernard out of that game. Obviously, Matt Milano suffered an injury like early on in the season. So we were talking about A.J. Klein in that game, who they had just recently signed and got enough of a vacation trip that he was about to take for him to come in and play football. And he was communicating the place too, which is probably a bad thing for your linebackers if A.J. Klein is the one that he's chosen to communicate uh, the place. I agree. Uh, Patrick Quinn is one of the best in the league. You could make the argument that Patrick Quinn is better than Fred Warner, which is insane. Uh, I'm not sure who I would pick among those two, but it's insane that there's even an argument about that. 
So, yeah, Ravens. Ravens, Troy says, uh, Mark Andrews is set to return. And you want Mark Andrews in this game because you want you want the Chiefs to be, and this relates directly to what Scott just said about linebackers. You want the Chiefs to have their linebackers on this game over their cornerbacks, right? Matching personnel. That's the theme of this show. We didn't even know it. That's the theme. It's tying it all together. We just heard Nick Saban. You want the Chiefs to match you with two tight ends on the field, and you want to make the cornerbacks for Kansas, who I think have the edge versus the Ravens wide receivers. You want them to be uh, as little of a factor as they can be. You need to have like this, uh, this, excuse me, this um, tight ends on the field for that. So I've got the Ravens winning that one. Now, Detroit versus San Francisco. Let me know in the chat who do you got uh, for that one. This one has a 49ers as a bigger favorite, seven points in the betting world. But I'll tell you this. I Just like the Chiefs, I think the Lions have a chance of pulling this these win off. It's not going to be easy. Obviously, the Niners are favored and all that by a touchdown. But when you talk about the Lions, people like to talk about, I'm on Ross and Brown. They like to talk about Sam Laporta, Jameson Williams, all of these playmakers. Jared Goff, who has been great in Detroit. It all starts, though, with the running game. It all starts with the running game. And the Lions are fun because they can do whatever they need to do. They can run power. They can also run inside zone. But they can also run outside zone. And they can run counter on you easily. They can do whatever they need to do. And they're going to see what you struggle with or what your strength is. And they're going to try to limit that. Right. So, for example, you go up against the Niners and you get Fred Warner, you get Dre Greenlaw. You got to find a way to make them a minimal factor in this game. What do you do? You, you do a lot of motion, I guess. Yeah, right. You see a lot of motion, a lot of eye candy in that running game. That's what I'm expecting for Sunday just to make them just to make them hesitate. Right. Just to make Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw a little bit less explosive. So I expect the Lions to focus on the run game as much as they can for as long as possible. Cornerbacks in San Francisco are better than we all thought early on in the season. So even though they've got Amon Ross and Brown and all that, it's going to be key. Uh, Detroit is very good in the, in the red zone, which would, could be huge for this game, though. And then on the other side of the ball, though, secondary for the Lions is still one of the worst in the NFL. I think this is a game where Cal Shanahan might be like, Yes, I like to establish the run game. I like to do this and that and that. But he might want to let Brock Purdy cook on this one. I know it's strange to say one week removed Brock Purdy's weird game versus the Green Bay Packers. However, that's a very bad secondary, man. You got you to gotta attack it. So I would give the ball to Brock Purdy a little bit more than a lot of people would think in this one. Even though it's the Niners and they want to play their own brand of football. This seems like one where you got to let Brock Purdy cook. Nobody since week nine has allowed more explosive plays off of play action than the Lions, by the way. That doesn't bode well. That does not bode well against this team. So, yeah, give me the Niners. Give me the Niners and give me the Ravens. That's going to be Super Bowl 58. And I hate, I absolutely hate that it fits the whole Super Bowl logo conspiracy, which is dumb as heck. I hate it. I don't enjoy those videos that have gone viral 
on TikTok and on Instagram Reels and all that. It's just uh, stupid. It might be fun. I get it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just yelling at clouds right now. But still, let's see what you guys have to say, though, about this game. Scott says Detroit can definitely attack San Francisco cornerbacks. Uh, the Packers showed you you can run against San Francisco. Red zone offense and defense will be key. Paul says Mo knows NFC dominates on the run game and defensive win games. Hey, it's going to be cloudy, by the way. It's going to be cloudy over there in San Francisco. Uh, not going to be raining, apparently, per the weather reports. But you know the weather. You know how it is. We It might be snowing for some reason in Santa Clara. Just kidding. It's not going to be snowing. But Katharina says Ravens and the Niners in the Super Bowl. Mark Aaron says Alliance might be these year's Bengals. Oh, I like that comparison. Hey, yeah, it, it fits in some ways. It fits in some ways. We could make that work. Uh, you see that it says Lions might shock the football world. 49ers most is Katharina. Gregory says 27 to 24 Detroit. Oh, boy. There's some people picking Lions right now, and I enjoy that. Come on, Detroit, says Bruce. All right, give me the Niners and give me the Ravens. I'll see you on Sunday night, by the way. Um, let me see very quickly. What the, What is the schedule for these games? What is the schedule for these games? Because they're both on Sunday, obviously. Uh, Cowboys. Uh, no, nah, not Cowboys. Oh, man, that was sad. The Cowboys are not on this schedule. though. <laughs> uh, 5.30 start for Detroit, San Francisco. So we're going to be doing things the same way we did last week. Primetime is not going to go live until after... The game is over, so a little bit of a late start for us here on primetime, 8.30, 8.40 p.m. I'm going to be ready for as soon as the game ends, we're going to go live. Uh, but I wouldn't dare. I would not dare keeping you away from, the, from a cha conference championship game. That's just not something that I would do. If the game is 50 to nothing by the second quarter, we can change things. Don't worry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you. I'll see you on Sunday night. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was fun. I wanted to do this show so bad, though, today. Uh, hope that you had fun. Hit the like button for me, and I'll see you tomorrow. No, not tomorrow night. Man. What, what the heck? Sunday night. Sunday night, I'll see you. Bye-bye.